Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, the official podcast of Wicked Ways Studios, a weekly podcast about sex and sexuality with an emphasis on kink, BDSM, and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and this week we're going to talk about consent. Before we get started this week, I want to send a very special thank you to Rashid, What the Fox, and Michelle, our newest Patreon supporters. Thank you guys very much. I really appreciate your support, and I hope that you enjoy the new Patreon content that I have been putting out lately, including a weekly update and some new behind-the-scenes content that I should be pushing out later this week. If you would like to become a Patreon follower, supporter, Head over to our website at wickedfellow.com where you can find all of our links, our adult sites, the podcast is hosted there. Everything to do with the studio is hosted at that site, wickedfellow.com. I know that it has been a bit since I put out a podcast. I'm very happy to be back in the saddle. Between the holidays and my partner getting sick, myself getting sick, and a lot of just unforeseen consequences, I wasn't able to put out podcasts last month. However... We're here, we're back, and I hope to talk about a very important topic today. And I know that I have hit the topic of consent regularly throughout this podcast. It's been a cornerstone. Every week when I sign off, I tell you that consent is king. And that's absolutely true. I also know that I have not dedicated a podcast to it and answered some questions that I've received throughout the course of having this podcast that I have been trying to kind of save up and work into a consent-specific episode. And that is what we are going to do today. So, what is the big deal about consent? Why is consent always brought forward so prevalently when we talk about BDSM, kink, any of these alternative lifestyle-type sexual and interpersonal relationships? It's the foundation. It's the difference between what we do being fun and healthy and fulfilling and it becoming abusive or becoming something that breaks people down and destroys lives. Mutual consent, enthusiastic consent, continuing consent. All these things are very important. And I know that for a lot of you, you were raised in a consent-focused environment. You were brought up in a consent-focused environment. It was taught to you in schools. And it's been a part of the kink movement since you've known what the kink movement is. And that is awesome. That doesn't mean that there's still not some misunderstandings about how consent works. And for an older generation like myself, we didn't grow up with this consent mindset. We didn't have it drilled into us. The importance of it wasn't really brought forth, especially in relationships, sexual relationships, romantic relationships, and by default, kink relationships. It doesn't mean that everything that we did back in the day was non-consensual we had a lot more assumption of consent than we do now, where we try to make it very clear. And that's really important because assuming consent, you know, you came over to my house and we had talked about hooking up. And so I just assume you want to have sex. You know, most of the time, that's probably a safe assumption. And if you are with somebody and you are becoming intimate and physical with them and they seem to be enjoying it and going along with it, that is a good assumption of consent. However, there's absolutely nothing wrong, whether it's a kink relationship or the most vanilla of vanilla sex relationships, in just establishing consent, learning what they like and don't like, what they want to do and what they do not want to do. 
And for some people, that initial conversation can be a little difficult. I know that in the kink community, we have done a very good job about normalizing the consent conversation, not just to do you want to do this, but are there things you don't want to do? Is there anything that I should know about you that you don't want me to do? Maybe you don't like having your hair pulled. Maybe you do like having your hair pulled. Maybe you don't like being spanked. Maybe you love being spanked, etc. Laying that out ahead of time can make everything so much more smooth going into it. And in a perfect world, we could have a conversation about likes and dislikes. And that can be part of the foreplay. That can be part of the excitement. That can be part of establishing a good, healthy relationship. Whether it's vanilla, whether it's kink, doesn't matter. Consent plays into platonic relationships. Is it okay if I just show up at your house and knock on the door? Or is that very intrusive to you? Would you prefer I call first? There's nothing wrong with having that conversation. And understanding that it can be relaxed and easy, that you're not being demanding, that you're not being some kind of picky, fussy jerk by wanting things to be done a certain way, that's just part of being a human being. There may be a ton of things that you enjoy sexually, but one or two things that really turn you off. And communicating those to your partner is awesome. There is a balance on how consent works, right? It's very important to ask for consent. Do you want to do this? Is it okay if I do this with you? Is it okay if I touch you this way? And that can become a natural part of your relationships. The balance side of that is while it is important to ask, it's also very important to tell. Because even with an inventory and the huge amount of experience that I have in the kink world and in relationships, I'm not going to remember to ask about every single detail of an encounter. I may forget to ask, oh, you said that you were into spanking, but I don't remember you know, are belts off limits? Are hairbrushes off limits? Do you not care? Or is it only open hand? Please tell me more about what you like. Because I have actually had partners that open hand spanking was very sexy for them. But any kind of implement spanking using a hairbrush or a belt or a flogger was a big turnoff for them, something they found very scary and that they did not want to do. And so when you speak to someone and you say, yeah, I'm really into spanking, that's a huge turn on for me. It's important to add that caveat. However, I don't like hairbrushes. I don't like belts. I don't like floggers. I just like open hand. That's all I like. And I really just like spanking on my behind. I don't like spanking on my thighs. I don't like spanking anywhere else. That's perfectly acceptable. That's very healthy. And that's very good for you to not only receive that consent, to offer that consent, to say, this is what I like and this is what I don't like. So yeah, I, I know I'm talking about very basic stuff. Most of you know this. Most of you have never had a problem with this. However, there continues to be issues with consent. One of the issues that's kind of plaguing consent conversations recently is withdrawal of consent. What does that mean? How does it work when you withdraw consent? Do you have to be very open about it? When you consent to be spanked, does that mean that you consent to be spanked for the rest of your life? Or was it just for that night? Was it just for that session? Were you clear about that? What happens if you give consent to do something and you start doing it and you don't like it? Then what do you do? There's nothing wrong with withdrawing consent. 
And it doesn't have to be a formal written statement. You can simply say, stop, I don't want to do this. I know I said I did. However, now that I'm trying it, turns out I don't like it. Or I don't feel like doing it tonight. I know I did it last night and I know I said it was fun, but tonight I do not feel like it. That is perfectly acceptable. That is healthy. That's good communication. That's the kind of thing that I encourage all of our couples and throuples and quadruples and all of the possible partner pairings to continually practice that open, honest communication. Because a lot of us are very conflict averse. A lot of us feel like, well, I know I told them that I like this and I do like it, but there's something about the way they do it that I really don't like. But now I feel like if I tell them I don't like it, they're going to think I'm some kind of weirdo because I just got done telling them how much I like it. It's very easy to get wrapped up in your own thoughts. And I want to encourage you to not feel ashamed or afraid or intimidated about withdrawing consent about anything at any time. And it does not matter how strict the relationship is. And I will talk more about how consent works in a very, you know, strict 24-7 dom-sub relationship because it does take on different aspects. But the fact remains, any person at any time, for whatever reason, is always right when they withdraw consent. There's nothing that says that once you said you would do something, you have to do it forever in this kind of sexual relationship, in this kind of interpersonal relationship. Legally, that might be a different thing altogether. But as we talked about in our how BDSM interacts with the law, you really can't sign a BDSM contract. You really can't sign a consent to be flogged contract. The state's not going to recognize that. They kind of see what we do as inherently wrong to begin with. So it's not, consent doesn't offer protection the way that you might think it does. You know, I consented to be paddled and this person paddled me, therefore everything is fine. Sometimes where you live, that's not fine. You, it doesn't matter if you consented to it or not. It could still be seen as assault. Unless you're in a binding legal contract, a legal contract recognized by the law, you can always withdraw consent to do any type of BDSM, interpersonal relationship, platonic relationship. There's nothing wrong with saying, I no longer want to do this. That withdrawal of consent does not have to be universal. It can be very specific. If you're in an ongoing BDSM relationship and you have a dominant or you have a submissive and spanking has always been part of your play, but for whatever reason, you don't feel like being spanked anymore. You simply say, I don't want to be spanked anymore. The rest of the stuff we're doing, I enjoy. I like it when you handcuff me. I like it when you tie me up. I like it when you do this other stuff, but spanking, I want to stop for now or I want to stop permanently. I said it was okay and I enjoyed it, but now I've changed my mind. Done. And that should be it. There really shouldn't be any follow-on on that. There's nothing wrong with communication. You know, you can have that conversation of, you know, did I do something wrong? Did I push you too far? Did I do something that was too much for you? Or did it just become boring to you and you felt like it was repetitive and now it's not as exciting as it once was? You can entertain that conversation, but you do not have to explain yourself. And that will depend very much on the relationship you have. You know, I can't speak for every DS dynamic out there, 
But I can say that in a good, healthy, communicative DS relationship, you should be able to have that conversation of, yeah, it used to really turn me on. And the last time I got spanked, I just didn't like it. I was bored. I couldn't wait for it to stop. And I want to take a break, maybe for a month, maybe forever. And your partner should absolutely respect that, regardless of the DS dynamic you might have, or the slave master dynamic, or whatever power exchange dynamic you have. And I do believe that frequently subservient people, people on the receiving side of the power exchange, are very hesitant to withdraw consent or to withhold consent if they feel like it's something that their dominant partner really wants, or if they feel like their dominant partner would become angry with them if they withdrew consent. And that's really unfortunate. That is kind of a breakdown in the dom sub communication. And I don't really feel like there's fault to be placed. I do feel like there's a lot of responsibility on the dom side. I always encourage doms to help your submissive speak up, ask them questions, make sure that they are communicating with you because it can be so intimidating for subs to say anything that goes against their dom's wishes. I certainly understand that. There, there is a balance, however, because ultimately at the end of the day, as I've frequently said, you are always responsible for your own personal safety, your own personal happiness. So even if you're in a strict dom-sub relationship, it's still incumbent on you to speak up if things aren't going right. Even if your dom isn't giving you that opportunity and isn't encouraging you to speak up and tell them, hey, this isn't working, you do have to speak up. You don't have the right to remain silent and expect your dominant to always be able to read your mind. And I've run into that with my relationships where I thought things were going fine in a particular area and the subservient did not want to continue doing whatever that thing was. And this has happened on more than one occasion. And it wasn't until I kind of started to really notice the signs, started noticing that, hey, they don't really seem to be enjoying this. This isn't something that this used to be something they really looked forward to and that they responded well to. And now it seems like they are not enthusiastic about it. So I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to ask them, is this not working for you? Is this not something that's fun for you anymore? And even then, it can be very hard to coax a submissive to say something they feel will be displeasing. And I understand that. You know, one of my very first rules to all of my submissives is be pleasing always. But what I've tried very hard to communicate to them is that one of the ways that they are pleasing to me is by communicating, is by being honest. So I said earlier, we talk about the dynamics of consent in a long-term 24-7 relationship, like Katja and I have, for example. Katja has signed over essentially complete consent to whatever I want to do. We have a ownership relationship and she's very fond of that. That's her style of play. It makes her very happy. When we initially started talking about things like safe words and boundaries and limits, etc., she was very solid and sure on the fact that she didn't want to have any kind of limits. She didn't want to have a safe word. She didn't want to have anything that would give her the power and take the power away from me. And I understand that. She wanted to find someone that she could trust to wield that power responsibly. She didn't want to have to ride herd on the relationship and speak up if things weren't working well. And that's okay. That's a style of relationship. And if it works well for you and you do have a partner you can trust, you don't have to have a lot of conversations about consent. 
But when I talked to Katya about it, I said, okay, so you want me to have full control, full power? Yes. You want to do whatever I say, whenever I say? Yes, that's what turns me on. Great. I want you to pick a safe word and learn how to use it because that's what I want. Because it is. It's absolutely true. I want my subservience to always have the power to stop something that's not working for them. Now, hopefully, we can do that through simple communication. My subs can always come to me and say, I don't like doing this thing. I think you like it, but I don't like it. And as the dominant, as the power in the situation, you have to respond to that with the utmost care and concern, gentleness, understanding, whatever it is. Because for a submissive to come to you and tell you, I don't want to do this thing, they're taking a huge leap of faith that you will be kind and gentle and understanding with them. If you are in any way discouraging of that, you're going to break that trust. You're going to break that confidence they have in you that they can talk to you. So even if it's your favorite thing, it's the thing that you love doing above all other things. If your subservient says they don't want to do it anymore, you say, hey, great. I thank you for telling me. I appreciate that. I respect you for telling me. You know, we will work around it. We'll do something else. We'll figure out something that works better for the both of us. You can't pout. You can't discipline them. You can't in any way come down on them or make them feel bad for being honest with you. That is absolutely incumbent upon a good dom. I've seen a lot of bad doms where if a sub wanted to stop a scene and use their safe word, that would be a relationship ending thing. Oh, you don't trust me. I can't work with you. We're done. I'm out of this. And I know subs that have experienced that. And I know subs that are terrified of using a safe word or telling their dominant, I don't like this. This isn't working for me. Because they've had bad experiences in the past with dominants who did not take any sort of negative feedback well. They couldn't handle having what they wanted to do in that moment questioned or said no to. And as a dominant person, I certainly understand that initial feeling, that initial response of, wait, you know, I'm in charge. I say what's going on. How dare you say that we're not doing something? I absolutely understand that reaction. But you must never react that way towards your sub in a consent issue, in a safe word issue, in a, you know, they don't want to do something issue. You know, again, we're not talking about brat behavior. We're not talking about role play behavior. We're not talking about playful pushing against the rules behavior. That's a very different thing. And I feel like I shouldn't have to codify that and make the distinction, but I think you definitely know there's a difference between go wash the dishes. Oh, I really don't feel like it. I'm feeling playful and I want to push against my boundaries because I want you to make me wash the dishes. That's different. And go wash the dishes. You know, sir, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while. I don't feel like it works for me to do the dishes all the time as a punishment. And here's my reasoning. You know, that's a very different conversation. It's approached differently. It is has a very different weight than a playful play. And again, I'm using that as a very broad example, but you can use this for anything. Spanking, hair pulling, can't say that word. Spanking, hair pulling, flogging, tying up, 
doesn't matter. Any sort of penetrative thing that at one point they said they love, but now they've decided not to do. That means you don't do it anymore and you respect their decision. As a dominant, you have to give your subs that freedom and license. Otherwise, that relationship will become toxic and unhealthy very quickly. The moment they feel like they can't trust you, the moment they feel like you are essentially an antagonist towards them and that they're being forced to do something they don't want to do, you're in the wrong. So create those opportunities, make it very easy. And if you're in a situation where your subservient is telling you they don't want to do something, they are withdrawing consent for something, be understanding, be supportive, be respectful, help them through that because I promise you they are probably scared to death to even mention it to you. As I said, a lot of couples like to have a play where we don't need safe words. We trust each other implicitly. And I respect that. I understand that. The problem is a lot of people inexperienced to the scene, a lot of people just getting into the scene, and a lot of more predatory dominant types will also insist on that arrangement. You know, you don't need a safe word. You have to trust me to take care of you. If you don't trust me to take care of you, then I can't be your dominant. And that's not a healthy relationship. That's a very toxic relationship because you need to be flexible and you need to understand that you're not always going to know what's best. You know, Katya and I, we have safe words. We know how to use them. The only time that Katya's ever used her safe word was, is when I forced her to use her safe word because I wanted her to use her safe word. That was the whole point of that exercise. Outside of that, she's never felt the need to use her safe word with me. So we could say, honestly, we don't really need a safe word because I have a very good feeling for where she's at in a scene and how she's reacting and whether it's becoming too much, etc. And that doesn't matter because I still want her to have the power to stop everything immediately if she's not comfortable or if something is going wrong, or just to understand that she has that power. That is very important to me as her dominant, even though it's something that almost never comes up. In other relationships I've had, I have had subservience use their safe word, and they used it correctly because there was something going on I wasn't aware of. And, you know, that kind of sucks. It's kind of embarrassing as a dom to say that there was something going on in a scene that I wasn't in 100% control over, but it happens. And in both situations, it was fine. We were able to solve the problem and pick up and just continue with the scene. But both times I was very happy that there was that safe word and that they felt comfortable using it. So my embarrassment in not catching a problem is more than made up for in the satisfaction of knowing that my subservient trusted me enough to use their safe word, know they were not going to get in trouble for it, know it was not going to ruin the scene, and move forward. And that's what they're for. Safe words, consent, they're allied. You know, usually when you use your safe word, you're not withdrawing consent. Usually the safe word is there to stop the scene when it's understood that words like stop and don't and I can't will be used in a playful manner. This is role-playing, and sometimes it feels very good to feel like you're being pushed too far, and the words that you're gonna wanna say are stop, I can't, please don't, etc. That's why we have safe words. Safe word is something that's not going to be said like that, but when it is said, everything stops, and the dominant assesses the situation. Some people also use a red, yellow, green system where 
Green means everything is fine, yellow means things are getting a little out of control, and red means stop right now. It doesn't matter what system you use, and you don't have to use safe words. If it's understood between your partner and you that stop actually does mean stop, no actually does mean no, then you don't necessarily need a safe word. And that's not necessarily withdrawal of consent. You know, it could be communication within a scene. I like how you're spanking me, but I would like you to spank me softer, or I want you to stop spanking me. That doesn't mean that I never want to be spanked again. It just means that for now, for example, I don't want to be spanked anymore. And maybe we'll talk about why and how we can make it work in the future. But I'm not necessarily withdrawing my consent to be spanked. I do feel like it's incumbent upon the person that is withdrawing consent to be very clear about what exactly it is they're saying. Are they saying, I don't ever want to be spanked again, or I don't want to be spanked that hard again, or I just don't want to be spanked right now. Maybe we can do more spanking next time. That's very important to make that clear. Just as it's important when you're giving that consent to explain how you like to be spanked, is this something that you're going to want to do forever or you only want to try it this once and then you want to think about it and you want to consider it and maybe you're trying something new and you've consented to try something new, but that consent is incumbent on you liking it. You know, and I've seen, this is something that I have seen too frequently, where someone says yes to something once and their partner takes that as permanent permission to continue to do that thing. Whereas they said yes, they would try it and now they don't want to do it anymore. You know, again, communication. How many times have I stressed communication and the, the fundamental importance of communication in all relationships, but especially BDSM relationships? Because a lot of the things we do in these relationships are outside of the normal. You know, normally you don't have to tell your partner, I don't like it when you pull my hair. But in a BDSM and a kink relationship, that's something that needs to be specified because a lot of people really like that. And it's a very normal part of play. And it's not something that someone in the BDSM and kink scene would see as very extreme at all. But some people really dislike having their hair pulled. And that's perfectly fine. But if they do, they need to communicate that to the person they're with. Simple communication. Consent can work on boundaries. You know, I consent to be your submissive during our sessions. But outside of our sessions, you do not have my consent to order me around or tell me to do anything. You know, that's a very conditional consent. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be 24-7, you can also talk about that. Maybe it's 24-7 with certain limitations. Again, that's fine. As long as you're clear with your partner. And if something changes in your life and you need to change that and you need to withdraw part or all of that consent, again, that's something you should be able to talk with your partner at any time. If your partner is unwilling to talk to you about issues of consent, about safe words, about limits, about boundaries, that is a strong red flag. That's a bad thing almost all the time. You know, if you want to talk to someone about setting your boundaries and they're not interested in hearing boundaries and they're telling you that, no, you'll do things my way and you won't question and you'll do exactly what you're told and I don't want to hear any more about this consent nonsense, you can choose to play with them because you're free to do that. But I would advise against it. I think that's a very unhealthy form of BDSM. I don't think the person making those demands understands exactly what they're saying or the 
depth of responsibility they would have to take care of you. Because when you have that kind of relationship, it's not the kind of thing that you just toss off when you're not feeling like it, or you don't answer the phone because you're busy, right? Those kind of complete dominance, I own you completely, and there's no questioning it. I think people that enter into that from the dom side just don't get how much responsibility is there, how much it takes. For them, it's very one-sided. They want to have all the power, but they don't necessarily want to have all the responsibility. And they don't tend to be very good at taking care of their submissives. So take that with a grain of salt. Maybe you have a relationship that exactly matches what I said, and it's made you the happiest it's ever made you. Awesome. You know, if it's working for you, I don't have a problem with it. But you definitely understand the danger that can be imparted by someone who is unconditional when it comes to things like consent and it comes to things like safe words and trust and boundaries. You know, even if you have a successful relationship like that, you do understand the danger that can exist within that type of relationship. Now we come to what is violation of consent? You know, and the most simple answer is if I've told you I don't like my hair pulled and you pulled my hair, that's a consent violation. Between the two of you, you can decide how serious it was. You know, maybe they didn't understand that tangling their hand in your hair, but not pulling it to you feels like the same thing. Maybe they just didn't understand that. And that can be something that's easily fixed. You know, like, please just don't mess with my hair at all. I don't like any pulling, tangling, anything like that. You know, was it accidental? Did they accidentally put their hand on your hair while you guys were having sex? I've done that a hundred times. You know, there's a difference between physically grabbing and pulling and a mistake or an accident or putting your hand in someone's hair, but not realizing that to them that feels like pulling, et cetera. You know, work that out between you. Maybe they just forgot. Maybe they got in the moment and they forgot that one of the things you told them was you don't like your hair pulled. You know, again, you have to be able to assess, was this an accident? Was this a big deal? Was this a clear, I told you not to do this and you did it anyway, and therefore you've broken my trust. And maybe that's the way it is. Maybe that you were very clear that you didn't want your hair touched at all. And they ignored that and they did it anyway. That's the kind of thing that, again, that falls into the big red flag territory of, I don't want to continue to play with this person. If it's something minor, you know, if it was a mistake or they forgot and they apologize and say, you know, look, I know you told me, I remember you telling me, I just forgot in the moment, I won't do it again. If they don't do it again, everything's fine. You know, I've made mistakes. I've certainly forgotten things like that, but I've never intentionally known someone's boundary and decided to cross it. And that is a consent violation. If you didn't tell them something, you know, if it's something that is a big deal to you, like spanking, for example, but you never told them, I don't like to be spanked, that's not a consent violation, right? You have to communicate that to them. You know, maybe they should have asked before they spanked you. Sure, that's always safe, especially when it comes to impact play or any kind of rough play. I would very much advise people that engage in that, even if they haven't said, I don't like to be spanked, just double check, make sure they're on board with being spanked before you do that. Because again, that goes kind of above and beyond normal sexual intercourse when it comes to impacts and striking and slapping and spanking, etc. Just double check. But we're going to assume the best on both parties. You forgot to tell them that you don't like to be spanked and they didn't see anything wrong with spanking you. They spanked you and you did not like it. And you said, stop, I don't like that. Don't spank me. 
again, that's not a consent violation. They didn't necessarily know that you did not want to be spanked. And while it may be a mistake, it's not a consent violation type mistake. And we tend to take consent violation mistakes very seriously, right? When people know your limits, they know your rules, they know the things you do and don't want to do, and they do them anyway, for a lot of people, that is a game-ending decision. They're done. They don't want to be played with anymore. They don't want to play with you anymore. They're done. And I fully respect that. Consent violations, people that do it knowingly, people that do it flagrantly, people that think that they know what's best for you and that even though you told them no, they're going to do it anyway, those are very dangerous people to play with. And they're not fulfilling, healthy, good partners to have flat out. So, you know, again, understand that there's a big difference between someone who knowingly violates your consent and someone that made a mistake or did something you didn't tell them was against the rules. Again, live and learn, move forward. Doesn't have to be a scene ender. Doesn't have to break a relationship. Explain, see that they understand and move forward. If you agree to do something, you know, say you agree to spanking and you tried it and it just, it was neither here nor there. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but you weren't thrilled by it. That's not a consent violation. And if you agreed to be spanked and they spanked you, the next day, if you decide, yeah, you know what? Thinking back on it, I really didn't like that. And I don't want to do that again. Again, that person did not violate your consent. If you told them to stop while they were spanking you and they continued to spank you, that is a violation of consent. And that is a very important distinction. And unfortunately, I have seen too much of, I said yes to this, but then the next day I thought better of it and I felt really bad about doing it. And now I feel like this person somehow harmed me, somehow abused me, somehow violated my consent. Again, if you agreed to do something and you didn't tell them to stop while you were doing it, it's not a consent violation. You know, talk to them, say, I said I would try this and I didn't like it, so let's not do that again. That's awesome. That's good communication. But approaching them as if they've harmed you or they've aggrieved you somehow and they've abused you somehow, that's not going to work well. That's not going to create any sort of good communication between either of you. And that can lead to really hard feelings on both sides. You know, be very realistic. Did you say no? Did you say your safe word? Did you say, stop doing this? I said yes, but now I don't want to do it anymore. That's very different than regret. And we've all had regrets. We've all done stuff and the next day thought, I really wish I hadn't done that. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean it's a consent violation. So let's make sure there's a very clear distinction between saying no in the moment and having regrets the next day. This can get very gray in some areas. For example, if you agreed to be spanked and they start spanking you, but it's way harder than you expected or want to do. You know, it's, it's really strong. They're actually causing physical damage or leaving stripes or leaving welts or leaving bloody marks, for example. And all this stuff can happen during spanking. You know, again, in the moment, there's nothing wrong with speaking up and saying, okay, stop, safe word, whatever. I know I said yes to spanking, but you are hitting me way harder than I want to be hit. So let's not do this. That's good, healthy withdrawal of consent. And on their part, you know, as I always say, I always like to ramp up stimulation because 
when you start too high, using that as an example, you really can't dial it back. Like usually if you hit someone too hard, they don't want to be hit anymore. Impact play, at least for you, is kind of out the window. And so you need to kind of build that trust and build that confidence. So if you're the one receiving consent to spank somebody, start gradually. Start with light spanking. See how they react. And then if you feel the need to increase the stimulation, do so gradually. But don't come out of the gate swinging as hard as you can because you're very likely going to have that consent removed and never given back to you. That's just Dom 101 stuff. You know, I, I feel like some of this stuff should be very clear. I know that some of it can be a little bit confusing. I'm happy to talk about this as much as is necessary because consent is a foundational part of BDSM. It's what makes what we do fun and happy and healthy and keeps it from becoming abuse. And nobody wants abuse, not real life. I don't want to do this abuse. We all want to have fun. And that fun can look really weird to the outside world. But as long as you consent to it, as long as it's making you happy, as long as it's good for you and your partner, then there's nothing wrong with it. Have fun with it. Understand consent. If you have any questions about consent or situations you've been in that you would like to share, you know, examples of consent gone right and consent gone wrong, please send that stuff in. You know, I've got a bunch of stories, but it always helps me when I hear from you guys and what you're curious about or things that you want to share. It is great to be back, folks. Sometimes getting the initiative and the inertia to get back in the saddle after a long break is really difficult. That was certainly the case this time. I'm glad to be here. I've missed talking to you guys. My Patreon supporters, you guys are absolute heroes. I really appreciate our new Patreons. If you would like to do that, again, the website's wickedfellow.com. You can find all of our links there. So, as always, consent is king. We just talked about that for 45 minutes. Take very good care of each other, and I'll see you next week. Wicked Wednesdays, episode 55, season 3, January 4th. Goodness. I have forgotten master and stick. I believe this graphite pencil shall do just fine. I am not a fancy man. Don't know what it'll do for the pencil, however. Nothing like a little Christmas cheer. Very, very shiny. All right.